Hey, y'all. Real quick before I hit play on this episode of Familypreneur for you, I want to be sure that you know that I have a brand new podcast available for you to check out. It's called Just Marketing, and you can find it on this podcast platform. Go ahead and search for Just Marketing and hit subscribe so you don't miss anything. Then come back here and listen to this episode of Familypreneur. It'll still be here waiting for you. Welcome to Familypreneur, the podcast for parent entrepreneurs raising kidpreneurs. It's time for your weekly dose of inspiration and actionable tips to build your business and find better balance, all while strengthening your family. And now we'd like to introduce your host. She's my mom and the bomb.com, Meg Brunson. Hello and welcome to episode number 37 of the Familypreneur podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by the Facebook algorithm. Well, sort of. The Facebook algorithm is always changing and has a really bad reputation among business owners. But when you get to know him, he's not so bad. Understanding the Facebook algorithm is the first step towards learning how to build a successful strategy on Facebook. Once you know how the algorithm works, you can download and implement my list of 10 tips for increasing your organic reach on Facebook. Head over to megbrunson.com slash reach to learn more. Today's guest is a mom to an eight and a six-year-old. She's a female founder who is committed to running a results-oriented and flexible company built on autonomy, working smart, and work-life balance. She has a passion for both food and family, and she believes that the kitchen is the best place to connect with her kids in a meaningful way. She's a former middle school teacher, and her commitment to empowering kids' confidence in the kitchen and beyond inspired her to launch her company. I'm excited to introduce the founder and CEO of Radish, a monthly cooking club and curriculum for kids, Samantha Barnes. Hi, Samantha. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Meg, for having me. So I was so excited. I saw your business, your company in a Facebook ad, and I instantly was like, this is a brand that's going to align so perfectly with my audience. And I'm really excited that you were able to make time to chat with us today. I'm excited to chat with you as well. So let's jump into things. Before you launched your business, Like, let's go back a little bit. You started off as a teacher. So tell me about what triggered your desire to leave teaching and launch your own company. So my mom always told me I was going to be a teacher when I grew up, and I always thought I wasn't going to be a teacher. Um, but sure enough, I ended up as a teacher, and I was really passionate about education. And probably on the policy and curriculum side of things is what I really love doing. And so I didn't think I'd be a classroom teacher forever, but I, I knew I wanted to stay involved in education. And then actually what ended up happening is I would have kids that would eat lunch in my classroom every day. And they were eating pretty unhealthy foods. Um, This was a trend. They would come to my classroom, they would sit and eat junk food, and they would talk about the Food Network. And they were really excited to talk about cooking and different ingredients and shows that they had watched. Yet there was this major disconnect because here they were eating foods that were not supporting their brain and their health and their their lifestyle. And so we had this sort of conversation about, well, wouldn't it be fun to learn to cook? And they never had this opportunity. So I realized that if I made the time, I could teach these kids a little bit about how to cook. 
So that's how it started, teaching after-school cooking classes. Um, when I first decided, I it got pretty busy within the first year. I was doing after-school classes, and I was doing birthday parties on the weekends. And um, by year two, I decided to to leave my job as a classroom teacher. And it was a big risk at the time, and I haven't looked back. So you spent two years building your business while you were still working full-time? Yes. Probably a little bit less than two, probably closer to about a year um, from when I launched. And yes, I was doing exactly what you said. And I think that's a really smart way to test the waters. Um, you know, I needed to be able to support myself still, and it allowed me to really check to see if people were interested in the product and what I was offering. I was able to build a website. I was able to be a little bit more casual. I wasn't a mom at the time. So I did have a little bit more free time in my life to work on the weekends and work at night. And um, But I definitely recommend sort of doing both, whether it's being a mom and testing your job or a new career at the same time or sort of your current career and starting something on the side because I, I think you, you really want to make sure it works before you throw everything into it. And that first company that you started, is that your current company? So when I started in 2006, our company was called Kitchen Kid. And that was pretty successful in the Los Angeles area. We taught in um, dozens of after-school programs, YMCAs, parks and rec programs, private public schools. We did summer camp and our birthday parties were really busy. And that was great for a while. And then right around when my second was born, I had the idea for Radish, which is the the current iteration of our business. Um, and so Radish is a cooking club for kids. It's a subscription box. Every month we send recipes, activities, tools, materials, and content to get kids and families cooking together. And um, so we, we sort of launched Radish um, differently than Kitchen Kid. We thought of Kitchen Kid as sort of this local program that really served LA. And with Radish, I was thinking at a, of a much larger audience and looking for something that appealed to the e-commerce world. So what was it that inspired that change in rebrand? I think the idea that something, let's see, something that was fresh and unique. And I love that Radish was a plan words. I wanted something, if you look at our design, everything appeals to kids and parents. And so I wanted something that didn't, it wasn't so playful that would discourage moms and dads from wanting to get involved. It was something that was really targeted for the entire family and that was really exciting for both kids and their their families, their parents. Um, and I felt like Radish had that. It was a little bit catchier. It was fun. It was a plan words. It was creative. Um, whereas Kitchen Kid, um, it, it was not as unique. It was, it was, didn't have that luster. I do love the plan words and the creativeness of it. So your business and your family each started around the same time and they were growing together. What did that look like for you as a, as a mom and business owner? Were you able to find work-life balance? I think we're all still trying to find work-life balance. <laughs> um, you know, it's looked like different things at different stages of the business. Um, when my kids were, when my daughter, who's now eight, when she was born, she was in a sling at summer camp and she was, you know, attached to my hip for the entire summer when we were cooking and, and working with the kids. Um, by the time my son was born, who is now, actually he'll be six this week, um, 
he, you know, was born right at this time that Radish was born. So I was really in a comfortable position with Kitchen Kid. Camps were successful. Our birthday parties were busy. And I, I just had a baby. I mean, I, it was easy to kind of let things going go in the status quo. Um, but once the idea for Radish came, I was like, full in. I was like, this is awesome. I've got to make this work and we've got to make this, um, the cooking kits. So I think you're in balance at times. <laughs> it's a pendulum and, and sometimes it's tipping in one way or in the other way. You know, we, we just recently, um, a year ago moved into an office and warehouse. Um, but previously we were working out of a converted garage at our house. So at its, our peak, we had six people working full time in our garage and at the, you know, we have a small 1100 square foot house. So our, that was our overflow, our conference room, anything extra we would pop in the house. So it was busy and my kids were sort of growing up right around that and being part of that. I feel like you always are somehow shortchanging something, either your your family or your business when you are starting a business and you're also, you know, starting a family. So the benefit is that I had the flexibility when my kids were little. I was at mommy and me classes and they, you know, I didn't need childcare for the first year. They were always around. Um, but the sort of flip side is that instead of getting dinner at six o'clock at night, if we didn't have our UPS truck picking up yet my kids and I would be out there, you know, in the dark loading the truck. So there was always a little bit of that, that give and take. Um, I think the other thing that I always sort of was jealous about with the, where I thought maybe I would get more balance or more of this work-life balance. Um, my husband used to have a commute that was about an hour long and I always felt like that was his time to decompress and he could listen to podcasts or he could just kind of zone out and I mean, he would say, oh, but I'm in traffic and it's a horrible drive. And I'm like, but I've got about six feet that I walk from our garage into the house. And and I'm immediately hit with needs and wants and demands of being a mom. And my kids are hungry and they need this and there's this problem to solve. And can I get this down? And I really felt like I needed that commute time or that sort of decompression time Um so, you know, I look for ways to find it now. And I've got about a 10-minute commute, which honestly has made a difference. And it helps me to, to sort of focus and separate work and life a little bit more. I know for me, we had kids that were good in the car. So even driving with the kids was a little bit of a break because it would calm them down. So you mm-hmm. can peace and quiet. And I don't know about you, but there were many days that I'd find myself sitting out in the car on my phone or with a laptop because the kids fell asleep in the back and I'd rather just sit in the car and not have to <laughs> wake yes. up. Yes. You're always looking for extra minutes, right? And I know every mom does that. So I don't think I'm alone, but um, you're never, uh, you're, you're just always kind of working. You always have your work hat on when you're running a business, especially in the early stages. I remember being in a mommy and me class and getting a phone call from somebody like, I had to take that call, you know, and you, there are times where you just have to put everything aside and be a hundred percent in your work mode, even if you're nursing or even if your kid is having a tantrum or just, you know, bop the other kid. Um, and then there's the flip side of that too, right? Where like you're a hundred percent in your, in mom mode, um, 
and you're in some kind of work environment. So I, I think uh, you're just always trying to, to do both and be super efficient at both. <laughs> now, you, you mentioned your husband and his hour commute time, but he's also a part of Radish. So how does that dynamic work for you guys? So fortunately, about two years ago, Seth, my husband, was able to join the company full-time, which has been really amazing for us. Uh, his background is in digital marketing, so he has joined and, and runs all of our marketing here. And it's great. I mean, I think it's taken him a little bit longer to get used to it. Uh, he went from working at a publicly traded company to working in our garage. So I feel like that was kind of a big adjustment for him. Um, but now it's, we've really got a pretty good routine down. Um, we interact as colleagues at work and not as spouses. Um, and I, I'm curious to know how, if you polled my colleagues, what they would say. Um, but I, I, I definitely don't, you know, call them hun or sweetie when we're at work. And, and I feel like we both recognize that we're part of a bigger team. It's not just the two of us. You know, I think a lot of husband, wife, um, partner work situations, it tends to be a smaller company. And so you probably can go back to some of your, I don't know, some of your heated moments, you know, you might, carry out in the workplace. Um, but I think we both recognize that we are professional and we have a, a really great team that we work with and we respect that. Now, how big is your team now? Uh, we are right around 10 full-time employees. So still a small business. We are still small. Yes. Yeah. But it's not like just Seth and I working together one-on-one. Sure. <laughs> Did you have any struggles with like turning off your relationship when you got to work? I don't think so. I think if anything, it's the other way around. We bring work home with us. Um, So I feel like when we're here, we very much put our professional hats on. And I think that's probably pretty important. I would suggest, you know, other people in the same situation try to do that because you deserve, you both deserve that respect. Um, on, and so do all the people with whom you work. Um, but I think at home sometimes, you know, there's so many conversations at work that we don't finish or emails that we aren't replied to. And so we get home and we have those, you know, start those conversations, which is not bad, but we also want to be there for our kids and not, you know, talking about work things um, all the time. So I feel like we, that's, that's probably the cha- more of a challenge for us at home. Now, are your kids involved in Radish at all? They are. They always have been. I mean, when they were little, they were, I mean, when my gosh, when my son was little, he was in a sling while we were, you know, testing recipes and packing boxes. Um, but both of the kids have helped in so many different facets. They help test recipes. They like to work what we call the line, which is basically fulfilling kits and, and adding everything to the kit. They like labeling and sealing boxes, putting them onto the truck. I mean, they've been involved with all of those elements and they really like seeing all of the inner workings of that. Um, my daughter in particular, I think she likes the dynamic of the workplace. Like, and I think that's really awesome for them to see and for them to see sort of the success and the progress because they know a year ago it was in our backyard and what packing weeks looked like in our backyard because they didn't have any grass. It was just cardboard. It was utter chaos. And so they were part of that whole process. And for them now to see that they come to work and, you know, mom and dad have an office and they've got 
a warehouse. I, I think they sort of see the trajectory and the success of the business. Have they made any indication that they have entrepreneurial dreams or aspirations? I think my daughter likes the idea. Well, she's very much a leader. My daughter is a leader. And I think she likes the idea of being in charge. So she likes, you know, if I say, well, I have to, I have to go do something at work or I have a meeting. She's like, well, you're the boss. You don't have to. And I'm like, oh no, sweetheart. Like I have commitments and obligations. So I think she's definitely drawn to that side of sort of that leadership realm. Um, She is also very socially motivated, social justice, very inspired by activism. And so I think that some of those same kinds of leadership qualities can come out in that. She, let's see, she invented a comic book series a couple years ago called Lime Juice. And I definitely like the play on, on those words. And she would create comics. And then her plan was she was going to sell them. And it was a nonprofit. And the proceeds were going to various uh, organizations that she wanted to support. So um, I've definitely seen her sort of create in that way. So does she still have those comic books for sale or how did that work? Ah, uh, no. <laughs> it was short-lived. Like many of the projects in our house, the ideas are really big and the execution is not always followed through. Um, she, she moves on to other areas, I, I think. <laughs> I think it's still wonderful. And I think that's important for people to see. Like It's totally okay for kids to abandon an idea and, and try something else. I mean, my daughter's got her business, I always say it in quotes, you know, her business, but it's kid size. I mean, she doesn't blog all the time. She blogs when she feels like it and it's not consistent, but that's okay because she's 10. So yes. And I think kids need to really pursue passions that they are truly passionate about at that moment. And that's what we all sort of long to do, right? Is do something that we love doing and seeing it through. And so if a kid is able to say, Hey, I don't like this anymore. I'm not interested in it anymore. Like, I'm not saying they should quit, but that's okay. Like figure out what you are interested in because adults don't always have that luxury. You know, we have to kind of go to work and, and make, make things work. And so I really, um, for all the times I wish she did finish some projects, I also respect that her interests are constantly evolving and changing. And it'll give her an opportunity to dabble in a lot of things and find what the right thing is for her. Yes. Yes. We really focus on being a female-founded company. And I think that even just seeing a strong working mom is an important value for, certainly for our family, but for her to see that, you know, no matter what she does, she'll always have that with her. That that was something that her her mom did, you know, and her mom valued. So I'm proud of that. No, that's awesome. I think that that's great. I I love seeing kids have these dreams and aspirations and goals. Tell me a little bit about the cooking process with radish. So I feel like with cooking, it's obviously a skill that the kids are going to use as they become adults. In what ways does that also help them to develop, you know, life skills, but also entrepreneurial skills? So that is such an awesome question because I think it's something that even adults can sort of step back and think about. Um, when a kid walks into the bakery and buys a muffin for $3, 
they do not see the labor and the time and the resources and the ingredients and all the effort that went in to making that muffin. Um, they just, they don't have any of, I mean, I would say adults too. And this goes for a muffin or, you know, chicken or pasta, right? Like no matter what it is you're buying, this there's a lot of sort of raw labor and raw ingredients and materials that have gone into making it. So when the same child then goes and cooks that muffin um, and sort of sees, you know, the behind the scenes, the the time that it took, the time cooking, the time waiting, um, the the ratio of flour and sugar and fresh berries. And, and then you even have that conversation, well, somebody had to harvest these berries and how did the flour get into this package? And so you sort of bring in all these moving pieces just to make one muffin. It becomes very concrete to them just how sort of hard it is to produce food and how much we sort of take for granted. So I think those conversations around food and food preparation are really powerful for kids. Um, and then you can kind of break it down and talk to them about yield and, okay, well, if this is this muffin is $3 and we're going to make a dozen muffins. Well, do you feel like your labor and the ingredients were worth $36 of your time? And what is the profit on that? And so you can have these conversations and we weave these kinds of really important life skills and big pictures into all of our recipes. So we weave in math and science, geography, history, um, a lot more than just the cooking process. So kids are having real conversations about these elements of cooking. I think cooking is totally entrepreneurial and it's really exciting for them to make something and either think, okay, I can give this away, I can sell this and sort of just starting those conversations early on. I love that you include those other conversation starters like history and ge- you know, geography and things like that. Sometimes you just need those triggers to start conversations and see where they'll go. Absolutely. We, we call them fun bites on our recipe guides, but we have icons and it'll say, you know, it'll be a geography icon or a nutrition agriculture icon. Um, and so internally there are fun bites and, and that's how we think of them, um, like these sidebars of information. And when I was a classroom teacher, I, I, I taught social studies, but I was always bothered that I taught social studies, which was essentially geography and history. And somebody else was teaching reading and writing because that didn't make any sense to me. You know, these are all interwoven subjects and I still feel like that now. And that's why I love teaching in the, the kitchen because we have that chance to increase their confidence, not just in, okay, this tastes good. And this was three tablespoons of, you know, sugar and a teaspoon of vanilla, but this tastes good. And I learned about ratios and fractions and I understand the chemistry that happened in the adding of these ingredients and what happened when they they hit the pan um, or, you know, and I understand how flour turns into a, a processed white fluffy substance that once started as, you know, a grain growing in the middle of the country. So there's, there's all these fun opportunities. And I think it kind of harkens back to my days of a teacher when I desperately wanted to weave in all these different elements and, and cooking really allows me to do that. So for those of us who want to bring radish kids into our homes, what are the what are the subscription options look like and what are the age ranges for kids ideally? So we have kids of all different ages, which is interesting because people want to be told exactly the age that they should start cooking with. And we've got kids as young as three, four, and five that are with their moms and dads. 
and actually an older siblings um, because they can access them. The recipes are all illustrated. So it's really one of the only products that allows a kid as young as three, four, and five that are developing their pre-reading skills to read step-by-step each single step of a recipe. Um, then we've got 12, 13, 14-year-olds uh, and young adults even that are using the same recipe because everyone loves pictures and it breaks everything down and it's concrete and easy to follow and sequential. And then we've got everyone in the middle who is just really benefiting from the beautiful design. So it is a wide range. Um, we typically say, you know, four or five up to, to 13, 14. Uh, it is a monthly subscription. So you can sign up either as a monthly member or a six or a 12 month member. And basically the difference is the longer you subscribe, the lower your price point is. So when you sign up for a year membership, you'll be paying about $20 a month. And if you're paying month to month, it works out to about $24 a month. And then our uh, six and 12 month memberships also include a free apron so that kids can, uh, we include a patch every month, an embroidered patch and kids can, iron their patch right onto the apron that's included in their membership. That's so cute. Now, what are, can you give me a couple examples, maybe what your favorite meals are that have been included in the past? Oh, those are really hard. So we alternate our themes and I'll, I'll say it's a little bit like a magazine. So every month is a different theme and we alternate themes. Some of them are Thematic. I'm sorry, some of them are seasonal. So we'll do a holiday theme, something around Thanksgiving. We just did a spring brunch, which was so much fun. There were scones and little uh, poached egg cup holders, and there were eggs Benedict. Um, then we'll do international themes. So this month's kit is a Greek theme. Uh, Spanish Fiesta was one of my favorite themes in a while. We, the kids are making paella and churros. The recipes are great. They're family-friendly foods. So they're not just recipes that the kids like making and eating. They're recipes that moms and dads and grandparents and everyone likes making and eating. So in our house, all of our binders are organized by type of quiz, type of dish. So I'll take out the mains and look through that binder to decide, you know, for some ideas. And even if my kids aren't going to be helping me that night for dinner, I still look through and I'm like, oh, we have this really great, healthy, delicious, sloppy Joe version of sloppy Joe recipe. And I'm like, okay, we're going to make that. Or we've got a three sister stew that my kids love and I'm going to make that. So I don't know. I don't have a favorite, but the themes are just always so much fun. I appreciate you sharing just some ideas. I know when I was little, you know how you remember some random stuff from your childhood. Um, we had a book that was like spiral bound and it was a kids in the kitchen type book and it had recipes and pictures, but they were all like snacks, like ants on a log. Like it's not really cooking. It's putting peanut butter and raisins on a piece of celery, which don't get me wrong. It got us eating celery and it was fun for my family, but I love that you're actually incorporating nutrition and meals, like not just ants on a log or sandwiches that look like reindeer. Yep. We say that all the time. Our recipes are family friendly and we typically will do a main, a side, and then either a dessert or a breakfast. So the idea is it's three recipes in each month's kit and it's something that they can do throughout the whole month. So, you know, thinking about a, a Greek kit or a back to school we're doing a potluck 
fall potluck will be our fall kit. And the idea is, you know, three great dishes that you would bring to a, a potluck and gather with other friends and family. So it's definitely family friendly and it's definitely meal oriented, things that you'll be cooking regularly. How are the recipes portions? Like, is it going to be enough to feed my family of six? Great question. We write most recipes to feed a family of four to six. And when you have a larger family, then we encourage kids to, you know, get their paper and pencil out and double all the ingredients. Um, We also include a shopping list every month that is digital, but also a hard copy. So I know families that take their kids to the grocery store and they give them the shopping list and $20 and they say, you know, go find these ingredients. You know, and maybe even before they left their house, they're already looking to see what they have in the pantry, making sure it's, an, it's enough of a particular ingredient or quantity, and then you know heading out to the store and really being thoughtful, frugal shoppers to get what they need at the best you know quantity and the best quality. Now, is the shopping list are those pictures or words? Shopping that's shopping list are words. Okay, which makes but, the most sense because sometimes yeah. they look different. Yes, but the recipe ha- is divided into it's a. One third of the recipe are illustrations that show the ingredients. So a small child could definitely take the actual recipe to the grocery store and be able to find ingredients on the shelf. Um, Then the other two thirds of the recipe layout is dedicated to the steps. So that way, even, you know, the littler ones are able to go and find two bananas in their, you know, grocery store or even in their pantry at home. And I bet the kids love that part too. My kids love shopping. Like I can already picture them wanting to go and get their ingredients. They do. And then they really feel like they're part of something. They, they have been part of something from start to finish. You know, the pride that our mission is really about um, encouraging kids confidence in the kitchen and beyond. And when they walk into the grocery store with a piece of paper and a pencil and a checklist and they gather the ingredients and then they go home and they put the effort and the love into making that particular recipe. And then they serve it at dinner that night or breakfast or bring it to a neighbor, whatever it might be. That amount of pride and, and confidence is just, they're just bursting with it because they, they saw how hard it was and they saw all the effort and the love that went into making that. And they, for them, that is the equivalent. And I always tell moms and dads this cooking is the equivalent of playing the piano really well at a recital or being a, a great soccer player or you know, scoring a really high score on your math test. But cooking a, and, and presenting your food to share with somebody that you love is like that chance to perform and, and feel that confidence every single day. I just want to know, what would your number one piece of advice be for a parent entrepreneur? Do everything yourself for a little bit so you learn how it works. And then immediately, once you realize you can't do it anymore, you need to outsource and you need to ask for help because you will never be able to do everything yourself forever. And I probably held on to that for a little too long in the beginning. Um, But the minute you find and, and hire and bring on people who are creative and smart and dedicated, then your product and your business can really flourish and and grow. You you just, you have to be willing to sort of get over that hump and grow. Um, And and along the way, you're, you're being flexible and nimble and strategic and creative. Um, I always feel like all my creative energy is wrapped up at work. And therefore that is why I don't have any new 
kids' artwork on the walls or photos in frames, why there's still probably baby clothes in my kids' drawers because all that sort of like extra creative energy that maybe I would have put into my life at home goes into work. Um, So maybe, I don't know, maybe that's some advice. Let that go for a little bit and be willing because you're going to be running both for a long time. And so kind of giving, giving some things up a little bit. So I'm curious, when you started building your team, how did you find your team members? A lot of our team members came in sort of non-traditional ways. Many of them started as coaches teaching our after-school classes, or they came to us working at summer camp and then had a really great mind for operations or a strong background in culinary arts and could test recipes. Uh, so they've all sort of trickled in from lots of different places, and I am eternally grateful for their commitment to what we do. Now, can you share where our listeners can find out more about you and Radish? Absolutely. Our website is radishkids.com, and that is spelled R-A-D-D-I-S-H, kids.com. So it's like a rad dish. Um, we're also on Facebook which is Radish Kids and run Instagram or Instagram slash Radish Kids. And so that's sort of behind the scenes with me and my family and, and our work. Um, and then we have a really awesome Facebook group, which is super cool. And that's if you go to radishkids.com slash group, it'll bring you up to our Facebook group. And it's just thousands of like-minded families and moms and dads who care about food and family and sort of that intersection of family time in the kitchen. And so you can find out more about the product from people who are actually using it and sharing photos. And I just think our group is just thriving and an awesome community. Well, this has been such a treat. I appreciate you taking time to talk to me and share your message with all of us. Um, I know my kids, even my littlest one is two, almost three. She'll be three next week. And she loves like being in the kitchen and washing and helping pour and things like that. So I love what you guys have put together. Thank you, Meg. It's been a real treat to talk with you and and share um, my story with all your listeners. So thanks for having me on. I think my favorite part of the episode was hearing Samantha talk about her daughter's entrepreneurial adventures. I love that she set off with this great idea of writing these comic books, and she was going to help a ton of people in the process by building a nonprofit. But ultimately, she's a kid. Her interests changed. Her focus changed. She's no longer doing that, and she's moved on to other entrepreneurial ventures. I think it's so important because that's something that we go through as entrepreneurs. I know I'm not the only one who started multiple side hustles before finding the thing that really stuck. So I love that our kids can get used to that, maybe even get some of it out of their system and start to learn earlier than we started what they're interested in. And also that it's okay to pivot. It's okay to work at your own pace. Those are all things that are normal and that we accept them as entrepreneurs. And as a parent, we accept them from our children. You'll find all of the links mentioned in this week's episode, plus the show notes at megbrenson.com slash 37. In case you missed last week's episode, we met Gabrielle Nicolay. She's a speech language pathologist with more than 15 years of experience working with young children with speech and language difficulties and other special needs. 
She's the owner of Speech Kids LLC, a private practice serving children and families in the Washington, D.C. metro area, and the creator of the Toddler Talk online program for parents. She calls herself an accidental entrepreneur and recently began to grow her business in order to become the primary breadwinner for her family. Next week, I'm excited to welcome a personal friend of mine, Rachel Lindtagen. She is the president and founder of Etched Marketing. She's an experienced marketer with nearly 20 years of experience. She holds a BA in broadcast journalism and an MBA in marketing. She's led the SEO and content marketing strategies for some of the largest e-commerce retailers, earning clients' number one keyword rankings for thousands of competitive terms and millions in revenue from SEO and content. In this episode, we're going to talk about her transition to entrepreneurship away from a really successful corporate career, her journey as a parent, and tips for SEO and content marketing. Subscribe to the podcast today so that you don't miss that episode or any of the other amazing things we have planned for you. Thanks so much, guys. I'll see you next week. Bye. Want to connect with other like-minded parent entrepreneurs? Join the discussions in our official Facebook group, You can find it at familypreneurcommunity.com.